This week, I actually updated my profile on some of my social media platforms. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you got a new job or you uh, uh, moved cities and you wanted to update you know, where you live so everybody would know where you are. Maybe you've gone Facebook official with that special somebody, you know? You were dating around a little bit, then you decided to really kind of hone in on that one person, and you wanted the world to know that you and them were together. And so you, you put that picture and you updated your status. Hey, we're, we're an item. That's significant somebody in your life. Maybe you've updated other parts of your profile from time to time, we need to do that because we have new things that are going on in our life. I want to submit to you today that maybe God is doing something new, something fresh, maybe something that's unexpected in your life, and maybe spiritually speaking, you need to update your profile. You want to update that thing. Where are you at with God? Where are you in your spiritual journey? We've been in a series of messages over the last few weeks from the Gospel of Mark called Walk This Way. We've been talking about walking with Jesus this summer. And part of walking with Jesus is updating our status. Some of us need to update our status. And I want to look today at Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, verses 8, 9, 10. And I want to look at this powerful story of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I want to talk to you today about something I get very excited about. And I think that the church, Big C Church, is not talking enough about. And that is the power of getting baptized. And maybe God wants you to update your status in the area of baptism. And I want you to listen today to what God's word has to say to us about this powerful, powerful topic in Mark chapter 1. Now let's look together at Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 9. It says, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And number one, baptism is a decision that has to be made. And it is a decision to go public with my faith. It's a decision to go public with my faith. And you may be thinking, well, Pastor, I don't know what this message has to do with me. I'm not interested in getting baptized. Or maybe I got baptized a long time ago. Or maybe I'm not even really sure what the baptism is. But listen, if you listen to what I'm going to share with you in just a, over the next few minutes, it has the ability to powerfully transform your walk with God. And it's going to bring you closer. You're going to have a more dynamic spiritual life with the Lord. So I want you to listen today. Number one, decision. I'm going public with my faith. Now, you may think, well, why is Jesus going public with his faith? Uh, Jesus has lived in obscurity up until this point. We don't know much about Jesus as a youth. We know one time he got left at the temple. Maybe you know that story. Besides that, we just don't know a lot about about Jesus you know we don't know if he played ball we don't know what kind of grades he made you know we don't know any of that we know he's from Nazareth and Nazareth is a tiny tiny little town 
Uh, scholars tell us between four and 500 people probably lived in the town of Nazareth at the time that Jesus was growing up. Not a very big place, okay? They probably didn't even have Dairy Queen. They didn't have a stoplight. They didn't even have a 1A high school, okay? Probably. I mean, I would just imagine in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, they, had, they played six-man football, and it had to be co-ed so they could have enough players on the team. That's the kind of environment that we're talking about. Jesus is from nowhere. Jerusalem is the big capital city, right? That's the big city. Jesus is not from Jerusalem. He's from Nazareth. And some of you may have grown up in little bitty towns like that. My dad is from Hart, Texas. I don't know if you've ever heard of Hart. Actually, I do know none of you have ever heard of Hart, Texas, because it is absolutely the smallest place that you will ever go to. There is absolutely nothing there. And I talk to people from West Texas from time to time, and I always ask them if they've heard of Hart, and they give me a blank stare. Okay, that's how you know it's a small place. Nazareth is a dead-end place. It is a nobody place. Somebody commented on Jesus when Jesus was beginning his public ministry, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's why. You know, it was just that kind of place. And now Jesus is, is moving from Nazareth to a place called Capernaum, which is the capital or the, the centerpiece of Jesus' public ministry. It's there around the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus bases his ministry in Capernaum. He's from Nazareth, but he moves to Capernaum to do, to do the ministry. And obviously he travels around to a lot of different places, but Capernaum is home base. Okay, so it says here, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and he was baptized in the Jordan by John. And Jesus is 30 years old. He has waited until the appointed time for him to begin his public ministry. Jesus did not begin his public ministry at the age of 17, you know? He didn't say, hey, you know, I got my driver's license. I'm, I'm ready to roll. There, there was a time. There was a time. How many of you know God has a time for everything? There is a timing for everything in your life. And it was God's purpose that Jesus wait a little bit to start his public ministry. So he's 30 years old, and it kicks off with his baptism. The baptism can be one of the greatest beginnings of your spiritual journey. It's that moment when you make that decision to commit your life to Christ and to get baptized. It's a decision. Now, Jesus makes this decision to move from obscurity into the plan and purposes of God there at Capernaum. And he begins by John the Baptist, who is one of Jesus' cousins, that baptizes him in the River Jordan. And John the Baptist actually tries to talk Jesus out of it because he doesn't feel worthy. And Jesus affirms him and says, no, you can do it. And he, and he dips him under there in the, in the Jordan River. I remember my day of decision. When I was eight years old, one night I couldn't sleep and I thought I was going to get in trouble because I was up past 10 o'clock and I went into my parents' bedroom because I just felt like there was something kind of gnawing in my heart, you know, like just like a question, like a uncertainty. And I started asking spiritual questions to my parents. And my parents were very discerning in that moment. And they took me into the kitchen. And I'll never forget this. I was a young boy. 
We prayed right there at the kitchen table, and I made a decision to ask Christ into my life. And I remember it it was celebrated because I got to drink Coca-Cola after 10 o'clock. And that was very unusual. But something life-changing happened. It was a moment of decision. I was baptized a few months uh, after that. But I crossed the line of faith. And I want to ask you today, have you come to that time in your life where you have said yes to Christ? Is your faith just something that is about being a good person and, and maybe checking some religious boxes? Or have you genuinely and wholeheartedly committed your life to Christ? Have you said, man, today is the day of decision. I am stepping out. I am stepping forward into the purposes and the plans that God has for my life. It's the greatest decision a person will ever make. You know, in Acts chapter 8, this is illustrated. Philip, uh, an early church leader, is talking with an Ethiopian man. And you notice there in Acts 8.37, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized so he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him and if you read the preceding verses this man is from Ethiopia and he somehow got a copy of the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah and he's reading the prophecies about the coming of the Messiah and he's confused and if you've ever read some of the prophets in the Old Testament maybe you've been confused and you can understand but God sends Philip to ask to answer some of his questions and, and Philip, in that moment, leads him to a faith commitment. And it is immediately followed by, I want to be baptized. And so this, this Ethiopian official says, stop the chariots. And they find a random pool of water that is near the road. And this man is baptized. It's a beautiful. It was, it was a moment of decision. Maybe you've been postponing your decision to follow Christ. Maybe you have invited Christ into your life. You've just never been baptized. And God is leading you today to make that most important decision to say yes to follow him in his plan and his purposes for your life. Now, when should we be baptized? It's a great question. And I think throughout scripture we see people baptize as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Um, I I used to be on... uh, uh, a staff member at a church near a university campus and we had hundreds of university students in the ministry there and people were committing their lives to Christ you know almost daily and we left water in the baptistry there at the church because people were getting baptized just all of the time and it was kind of our joke that the water would get a little stale sometimes And we had some chlorine, though. So we would pour some chlorine into the baptistry, and then we would baptize. Because we were always ready for what God was about to do in somebody's life. And that's exciting. You know, next Sunday, we're going to have Baptism Sunday here at Ed Church. I would love to baptize you. And it is the moment of decision. It's the time that you are crossing that line of, of commitment in your spiritual journey to say yes to what God has for you in the future. Now, sometimes people get baptism confused, and some folks think that uh, baptism uh, makes us a Christian. Uh, Baptism, the waters of baptism, 
do not save us. They do not redeem us. Uh, when you go underneath the water, the water does not literally wash away your sins. Uh, and sometimes people get that kind of mixed up. People think, well, if I'm baptized, I must be a Christian. No, you just got wet. Okay, <laughs> If you haven't committed your life to Christ, then, then, then getting baptized doesn't really mean anything. So baptism doesn't make me a Christian. It doesn't wash away my sins. And then other people kind of go to the other extreme and say, well, if, if it doesn't save me, if it doesn't put me in right standing with God, if it doesn't redeem me, it's not important. And, and nothing could be further from the truth with that as well. Because all the way through Scripture, the pattern is people make faith commitments and they're baptized. They make faith commitments and they are baptized. And we could just go right through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people respond to the sermon of Peter, they're baptized. Uh, Acts chapter 8, we just talked about it with the Ethiopian eunuch. He stops the chariot, he gets baptized. Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul. Uh, he is immediately baptized. Acts chapter 10, the household of Cornelius is saved, they're baptized. Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer and the household of Lydia are baptized. Acts chapter 19, the uh, disciples of John the Baptist are baptized. And all the way through the scripture, we see the pattern. People commit their lives to Christ and they are baptized right thereafter. So, so we should not fall into two extremes. It's not important or I have to do it to become a Christian. We baptize because we are a Christian. We baptize because we do have faith, not because we're trying to earn God's favor. So why should I get baptized? I mean, here's another question. Um, why should I be baptized? Well, I'm associating or identifying with Jesus. Okay, this is association. Uh, look again at Mark chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me, and I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about spirit baptism in just a little bit. But... He, he begins by talking about uh, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And John the Baptist is hesitant about it. But he says, one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. And, and I'm not even worthy to untry his sandals. Now think about this for a minute. I have a theological question for you. Would you agree that Jesus was the perfect son of God? Okay, yeah, I think we got that. So if Jesus is the perfect son of God, why does he need to be baptized? Be, be, because the picture of baptism is that the old person has been dead, is dead, and the new person has been raised. So did Jesus need to be, did Jesus need to die to his old life to be resurrected? Is the picture correct with the son of God? Why would Jesus be baptized if he didn't have sin in his life? And the reason is Jesus was identifying with us. So the reason that Jesus was baptized was not because he was sinful. He was baptized because he was identifying with people that are sinful. And by the way, that's why Jesus is such a wonderful Savior. That's why we need Jesus so, so much. In fact, if you read on in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is baptized. He identifies with us in baptism Jesus also identifies with us in temptation. Because right after the baptism, Jesus goes into the Judean wilderness. He's tempted. 
And he's fasting for 40 days and nights. And the devil is trying to derail the purposes and the plans of God in Jesus' ministry. And so he tempts him. And that's why the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4, it says that he was tempted in every way and yet he was without sin. That's why he's the great high priest that we need. So Jesus identifies with us in baptism and he identifies with us in temptation. Jesus understands what you're going through. Did you know there's not one temptation? There's not one struggle there's not one issue that you're facing today that Jesus does not understand. Jesus has been there and done that. He, he, he's got it. He understands. He gets it. And that's why we come to him with our hurts and our struggles and our questions and our uncertainties. Because he's been there and he's done it. Jesus identifies with us. Now, what about the mode of baptism? I mean, notice it says he, he was baptized by John. And that word to baptize in the language of the New Testament is a word that means to submerge. It means to go underneath the water. In fact, we have secular writings that were written around the time of the New Testament. And that word baptize is used to describe a ship that sunk in a harbor or a pickle that was made in a jar of water uh, that was made out of a cucumber. And so the idea of the word to baptize means to submerge or to go underneath the water. That's why the mode of baptism at Edge Church is by immersion. That's what the earliest usages of that, of that word mean. In our modern context, the word baptize can mean many other things. Maybe you grew up Catholic or Presbyterian or Methodist or maybe another denomination. And you were sprinkled as a baby. <clears throat> the reason it's important... To be baptized by immersion is because it best represents the death and the resurrection of Jesus. When you go underneath the water, that's a picture of your old life dying. As you come up out of the water, that best represents the new life that you have in Christ. And every, every baptism in the scripture is by immersion. We don't have any examples in the entire Bible of people who were sprinkled. That was a tradition that was started by the Roman Catholic Church several hundred years after the New Testament. And so it's important for us to have the mode right. And people may ask, well, why, why does the mode matter? Because if you change the mode, you change the message. It means something different. You change the message. So maybe you've been sprinkled as a baby. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's equivalent to what we do at Edge Church with the baby dedications. People love the baby dedications, right? I mean, like, we got the babies up here, and they got the outfits on, and everybody's like, that's the cutest baby you've ever seen, and, and the parents are proud, and mom and dad dress up, and we take a picture, and we pray, and parents commit to raise their kids in the ways of the Lord, and it's awesome. You know, we love all that. That's, that's a fantastic thing, but you know what? That's different from getting baptized, and you also notice all the way through the Scripture the timing of baptism. Baptism always comes after faith. You believe and you're baptized. You believe and you're baptized. So getting immersed is extremely important. And, and maybe the hour of decision, the time of decision for you 
is to say, man, either I want to accept Christ into my life and I want to be baptized, or maybe you've become a, you've been a Christian for a while, but you just maybe you just never got baptized. Maybe no, nobody ever explained it to you. Maybe you never really examined what the Bible has to say about it. But you're like, hey, this sounds good. I want to be baptized, and I want to baptize you next Sunday. And you can sign up on your card, and we'll talk about that in just a little little bit. But when we baptize, we advertise for Jesus. I love to say it like this: You baptize to advertise. Because you're publicly identifying with Jesus. You're in that water and the world sees it. Baptism is a public thing, by the way, guys. It's public. You know, sometimes I have people and they're like, can you do a private baptism? And I'm like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say how many people have to be there. But generally speaking, baptism is before the folks. It's a public thing. Like, like you want people to see you get baptized, right? Like it's a celebration. Like, like people are going to be excited. And, and, and it's a blessing to you when you get baptized because people are cheering you on. So then you feel encouraged. But then it also is a blessing to the church because the church is like we're reaching people. And this is exciting to see the life change that's happening here at Edge Church. And so then the church gets encouraged and then everybody's blessed. Now doesn't that sound good? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. In fact, you preach a sermon every time you're baptized. You, you don't even have to say anything. I promise I won't make you pray or sing or deliver a sermon. But your presence in the water is preaching a sermon. My old life is gone. My new life has come. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of him. And we get excited when people get baptized because it represents that new life, that fresh start. That, that new beginning in a person's life. Now, we love graduations. How many of us love graduations? Isn't that a great celebration? Graduation's awesome. How about weddings? Anybody love weddings, you know? Yeah, you don't have to be nervous. You can be like, yeah, I love weddings. That's good. Yeah, weddings are good. They're exciting, right? You dress up and you go have a great party and you eat great food and see all the friends and celebrate with somebody. And it, it, that's, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. I mean, weddings are awesome. But I will tell you, baptism is more important than weddings and graduations. It's, it's the most, it, it, it centers around the most important decision that we make, and that is to, to follow Christ. And we need to do it. Um, I was at my grandmother's church a few years ago, and her church had built a new sanctuary. And she was showing me around. I was talking with the pastor. It was during the week one day, and he said, uh, Ryan, uh, look over there, and I saw a wooden, uh, excuse me, like a stone coffin in the lobby of the church. I thought, wow, I've never seen that before. And I was really intrigued. I was like, what, what's going on over there? And it was very ornate and very decorative and like, it looked spendy. I mean, I was like, what's going on with that? He said, that's where we baptize people. And he pulled the lid off of the coffin and, and it was a baptistry, and it had the jets in it, you know what I'm saying? I wondered if the pastor was hanging out there after, after hours, you know, just relaxing, sitting in the water, because it was like a full-on, it was, it was like a jacuzzi, and, but it was in the form of a coffin. It was in the shape of a coffin. And I said, Pastor, why? what's with the coffin? And he said, because this is a picture of our old life dying and our new life coming. And I thought, your baptistry creeps me out, 
But that is theologically accurate. That is exactly true. That's what Paul talked about in Romans chapter 6 when he said, uh, Or are you unaware that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been, if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we'll be certainly also in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 6, 3 through 5. So there's a decision to make. There's an association. I'm, I'm, I'm identifying with Jesus. I, I, my old life is, is dead. My new life has come. I have a new life in Christ. Baptism is a picture of that. But I want you to check out this third thing, and I want you to write it down on your notes today. Authorization. I'm ready for God to send me. I'm ready for God to send me. Now back to Mark chapter 1. As soon as he came up out of the water and saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So Jesus is baptized and he's sent out to do the ministry that God's called him to do. Did you know God is ascending God? God, God is sending you. When, 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 when you're baptized, you, you know, it's kind of like you join the team. And then God's like, all right, it's time to get busy. It's time to get, to get active in the Christian life. It's time to get involved in the church. It's time to get you know, excited about what God is doing. It's time to start reaching some people. It's time to start helping some people. It's time to start moving, you know, in your, in your spiritual life. And notice a few things here. We see the Trinity is present at the baptism of Jesus. People sometimes ask, well, where is the Trinity in the Bible? The word Trinity is not in the scripture, but the concept of Trinity is from Genesis to Revelation. And we find it right here in Mark chapter 1, the Father, the Father, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Son, getting baptized, and the Spirit, descending in the form of a dove. Father, Son, and Spirit. We got the Trinity right here. But it says the heavens were opened. And any time that the heavens open in the Bible, this is always a reference to the fact that God is doing something great. I mean, God is about to start shaking some things up. That's Bible code, okay, right there. Okay, that means like, look out, okay? Look out, devil. Jesus is coming. All right? All right. The prophets foretold it. He's here. John the Baptist prepared the way. Jesus has arrived on the scenes. The heavens, and Mark uses that beautiful word, torn open. It, it's dramatic. It's like, you know, it's ripped open. I mean, like God is about to pour out his spirit. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, it says, If only you would tear the heavens open and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Um, it means God's doing something awesome. Um, the Spirit of God descends in the form of a dove, and one of the images that we use to represent the Christian faith is a dove, right? Maybe you have a little necklace, and you've got um, a cross, or maybe some fishes or loaves, or maybe you're into doves. I don't know, but I mean, they're all Christian symbols. And the Christian symbol of a dove always represents peace. So it's a great symbol. In fact, it reminds me when Noah 
was trying to, de to determine if the waters had subsided with the great flood, he sent a dove out and the dove came back and brought what? A little branch, right? And, and it represented the fact that there was peace and that soon the ark was going to rest and Noah was going to get off of that crazy boat. I mean, Noah was excited. Okay, that, that's, that, that's where we get that symbol. And so we find it echoed here in Mark chapter 1 as the Spirit of God is descending in the form of a dove. And then God shows up and God puts his stamp on it. He says, listen, you are my son in whom I love. So, so God confirmed Jesus' identity as his son and uh, puts his stamp on it. And I got to tell you, listen, when you take steps of faith, when you do the will of God, when you get baptized, God is pleased. God looks down from heaven and he's like, you know what? I'm proud of her. That, that took some courage. That, that, that took some strength. That took some determination. When, when, when God looks down out of heaven and he sees people taking courageous steps of faith and getting baptized, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And so the approval of God is there. Now, it's interesting because we have been authorized, authorized to go and to do good works. We've been authorized to go and serve others. We've been authorized to build the kingdom. And right after this, Jesus goes on and he begins healing people. He begins teaching people. He begins encouraging people. He begins doing all these other things, but, but his, his public ministry began with baptism. That's the beginning. And your baptism is the beginning of what God wants to do in and through your life. So when you get baptized, it's like, let's go. I'm authorized, man. I'm ready for God to use me. Who can I talk to about faith issues? Who can I bring to church next weekend? Who can I help? Who could I pray for? Who could I encourage? Who could I serve? We're asking those questions. We are authorized by God. And one of the beautiful things that we have as a resource is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's two baptisms in the Bible. There is water baptism, which is when you get dunked. And there is spirit baptism. And you are spiritually baptized into Christ at the moment that you commit your life to Christ. And so the Spirit of God covers you, okay? And, and when you think about baptism, you think about being drenched, right? Head to toe. Well, when the Spirit of God comes into your life, you're drenched with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, that divinely enables you to do what God has called you to do. So the Holy Spirit is the power source of your spiritual life. If you don't have a power source, you just have dead religion. You're just checking spiritual boxes. But when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you can accomplish every purpose, every plan that God has put before you. And so we find here that Jesus is in Mark chapter 1 verse 8. He says, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you come into a faith relationship with God, you will have the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, the Apostle Paul elaborates on this a bit more in Galatians 3.27. He talks about spiritual bapti spirit baptism here. 
For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. And he compares spirit baptism to your clothes. Okay? Now just think about that for a minute. When you, when you get dressed for your day, you put on some clothes. Amen? Now some of us may, I know some of you are like, but pastor, I work at home. I have a bathrobe on. You know, I, I just get in front of the computer, you know. Um, <laughs> I get that. But before you came to church today, you didn't show up in boxer briefs, okay? You put on some clothes. You put on something. You were clothed. Clothing is part of getting ready, okay? And, and you know what? When you put on, this is deep today. When you put on some clothes, those clothes go with you everywhere you go. Is that true? Somebody was like, whoa, you know? Pastor Ryan's blowing my mind up today. Yes, that is true. So, I love to shop. I don't know if you guys know this about me. People are like, what's your hobby? What do you like to do? I'm like, I like to go to the mall, you know? Really a lot of fun. Enjoy it. And the other day, I saw this really cool jacket. Do you guys like my jacket? It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I got this from one of my favorite stores. And when I put on this jacket, I feel empowered. I'm feeling good. I feel really good. And especially when I get to preach in some Air Jordans, I'm like, I am totally feeling the spirit today. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to bring a good one today. You know, Air Jordans, this jacket. But you know what? If I took this jacket off and I tried to live my spiritual life apart from the Holy Spirit, how successful would I be? I feel kind of naked up here, you know? If I don't have the Spirit in me and on me, leading me, how can I fight temptation? How can I be courageous? How can I show compassion to people that when I want to strangle them? I mean, how do I do that? I got to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the difference between you and your non-believing neighbor. Big difference. But listen, when I have been clothed with power, I have God's divine enablement to do everything that he's called me to do. So Paul says, listen, put on. Put on the clothing of Christ. When you are baptized into Christ, you, you've been clothed with him. When you're tempted to gossip, you're clothed with the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. When you need to have a hard talk with somebody, and you're putting it off and you don't want to do it, remember this. You you've been clothed with power. Everywhere you go, you take the Spirit of God with you. When you go to the office, you have the Spirit of God. When you're in the classroom, you have the Spirit of God. You have been clothed with power. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, when you need to show mercy, even though you're not feeling very merciful, you've been enveloped with power. When you feel like quitting, you're covered with power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. You have been baptized with power. And listen... When you go public with water baptism, 
When you get dunked, guess what? You're making a big decision. You're making a faith commitment. And then you get baptized by the Holy Spirit. At that moment of, of conversion, that moment of stepping across the line, now you got the Holy Spirit in your life leading you, directing you, giving you a new nature, enabling you to do things and to say things that you never did before. How many of you, let me ask you, when you met Christ, you begin to have different motivations. Yeah, you're like, I've never had a desire to do that before. I'm telling you, before I met the Lord, I had no desire to read the Bible. Are you kidding me? I hated reading. The Holy Spirit came into my life. I'm like, I'm taking that thing with me everywhere I go. <laughs> you know, you're not, the old person died. The new, the new you, the resurrected you is coming out. And it's the Holy Spirit that's the difference maker. It's the Holy Spirit. That, that, a huge thing here, huge thing. So why should I get baptized? Well, there's a decision. I'm going public with my faith. There's an association. I'm identifying with Jesus. The old me died. The new me is resurrected. Authorization. I'm ready for God to use me. And the power of the Holy Spirit is going to help me do everything that God's called me to do. Wow. What a great spiritual journey you and I have the opportunity to participate in. Would you pray with me for just a minute?